Welcome to the Strategy-Driven Leadership Conversation. Agile Balance. What it is, what it does, and how to get it. On behalf of the entire Strategy-Driven team, I would like to welcome you to this edition of the Strategy-Driven Leadership Conversation. Agile Balance, what it is, what it does, and how to get it. Strategy-Driven Leadership Conversations focus on the values and behaviors characteristic of highly effective leaders. Complementing the Strategy-Driven Management and Leadership articles, these conversations examine the real-world challenges managers face every day that aren't easily solved with a new or redesigned process and instead demand the application of soft leadership skills to achieve a positive outcome. In this episode, Robert Thompson, founder of Applied Performance and author of The Offsite, a leadership challenge fable, shares with us his insights on how to embody the flexibility needed to accommodate the changing business environment, while at the same time maintaining the balance needed for success. So now, without any further delays, let's get started. Hey, Nathan, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good, good today. Good, good, good. Yeah. So anyway, what do we got here? Agile balance, huh? That's right. Agile balance it is. You know, one of the things I want to make sure that you understand is this is, um, it's not a straw man, but it was sort of something that popped up um, in my brain not that long ago uh, as I'm writing book two. But as, as I write the second book, I wanted to have, of course, some new flavors to it, but I want the characters, or, you know, it's going to be a fable again, and I want the characters to, to sort of share some insights and so on. And um, so I started thinking, well, what is it? You know, what's, what's this going to be? And, and Agile Balance showed up one day when I was thinking, well, after I, I got involved with the Tom Peters Company with the Excellence Audit and uh, Future Shape of the Winter, and I thought, gosh, you know, businesses out there, especially in these times, uh, this recession and, and the, the start and stop kind of thing, everybody needs to be more and more agile as we go. They need to show some flexibility. Mm-hmm. But yet they need to be balanced. And those two words showed up. And all of a sudden I went, agile, balance. Okay, so then I started to write, and I said, what's balance? So I you know, looked it up. What's another word for balance? And so I got there and nimble. And next thing I knew, there was Jack be nimble, Jack be quick. And <sighs> Yes. The article sort of wrote itself from that perspective, and I wasn't quite sure how that would play out there in business world. And so I posted it and um, as just a lark, you know, to see what would happen. And, and there's some interesting feedback. Sent it off, well, to you and sent it off to um, uh, my colleague in India. I haven't seen it come back in any Indian papers yet, but I did check with them first to see and make sure that that culture knew about Jack and Jill or else that none of it would make sense. Right. So um, anyway, so that's how this thing came about. <clears throat> and now, with the comments I get back, uh, you know, there's one thing that's not in there, and that's emotional intelligence. So perhaps companies definitely should have, you know, an instrument for emotional intelligence. But I think the key thing, Nathan, I don't know if I'm blowing our whole conversation here or not, but 
the key thing is that companies, um, you know, many companies, I shouldn't say all companies, but many companies pay lip service to a lot of the things that we talk about here. Um, you know, even if they have a learning director, you know, director of learning and yeah. development in the company, they're still not quite engaged with what to do and how to do it for any size of a company. Too often, you know, a learning director comes in, they've got somebody like me from their past, they bring them in, change the words, bring in a new script, and the CEO says fine and moves on and doesn't really – it's about the commitment. So at the end of the article, when I talk about the commitment, that's the key. And it's about finding something, not just the things I'm suggesting here, the various, you know, um, targeted uh, instruments and so on, not the LPI mm-hmm. necessarily, but something. And hold it and, and focus on it for, you know, more than five years. You know, say I'm, we're committed to this for 10 years. And if you can do that, I think that um, in the, the long stream of things, um, this agile balance will be theirs to, to have and hold. What are your thoughts there? Do you agree with that or is that your experience or no? So I do agree with that. You know, it's interesting. When I read your article on Agile Balance, a different image other than Jack and Jill came to mind. Are are you familiar with the Matrix movies? Oh, sure. Matrix 2, where uh, Neo, the Keanu Reeves character, Mm -hmm. and Mr. Smith in the playground. And time and again, you know, the uh, the shots that go after the Neo character and he bends backwards or to the side. And he's constantly dodging these blows. He's being flexible. Ah. But at the same time, you notice he always maintains his balance. He never falls down. Interesting. Yeah. And and so as I... As I read Agile Balance in, in your article, that was the image that came to mind. And when you talk about having that long-term goal, I was going back to the movie, of course. Theirs was the ultimate struggle for freedom, but they had that goal, and they, they held constant to the goal, but they had to constantly be flexible to these ever-changing situations and these various encounters with different bad guys, but all the obstacles impeding them on their path. To me, that came back to business, and I think, okay, we as companies, we have vision, mission, and values. And fundamentally, and if we take a company that I've studied in in some detail only because I did all of my master's work around them, is Merck. And fundamentally, Merck as a company has had a singular set of vision, mission, and values over time. They're in the business of helping make people's lives better through pharmaceuticals. However, as different diseases come up, they had a big program where they were helping folks in Africa who couldn't afford to uh, cure a disease that was causing blindness. Or we have the AIDS epidemic in uh, the U.S. Or now we have heart failure on the rise or all these different things. The obstacles change and the FDA rules changed, and certainly with Vioxx, they had a big setback. So there's all these obstacles in the business world that they're forced to deal with that they have to be ever flexible to, but they have to maintain their balance to keep on that same path, that same progression toward 
the ultimate success, which is represented by their, their vision. So what you're telling me is that I should ask you to write something about that and let me post it. Yeah. And and play on that because I think that's uh, that's brilliant. Yeah. That, I like it that that I can come up with Jack and Jill because I looked up the word and, and got nimble right and also right. hanging yeah. my head nimble, <laughs> and that's how the article read. And somebody reads it and comes up with the matrix. Come on, that, yeah. <laughs> that's just awesome. You know, it's yeah. just awesome. Yeah. And I tell you when I the, the when I came up with it is when I was writing. Our, you know, the script, and I was trying to come up with something to say other than, you know, we appreciated that you were here talking to us about agile balance. And I thought, well, <laughs> I can just, I've said the words agile balance enough, like in every sentence I say in here. I yeah. need to actually describe what it is. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I, I needed to draw my own image. And hence, That's awesome. I, I went right to that matrix scene. You know, the agile balance, I'm not going to all of a sudden have, uh, you know, Charlie start talking about Jack and Jill necessarily. I mean, he might, maybe. Right. Maybe now he's going to talk about the Matrix. I don't know. Uh, I'll just have to get your permission and put you in the, uh, put you in the, uh, acknowledgements. But it's like, yeah. um, you know, we're going to talk about the, this content in the book, but I still don't know exactly how. So that's, that's where agile balance is right now. Mm-hmm. But every time I use the term, with other people, they get it. Yeah. They may have their own picture like you did, but they right. get what that means. And and the thing that I'm doing here is I'm saying, no, I don't have a form for you. I don't have, you know, this is the only instrument you should use, and if you don't use this, you can never find Agile Balance, you know. I think people who do that, I, I just don't agree with it. Um, people, people are using in companies right now, they're using – these these various instruments, but not all of them are bringing it together to fine tune and really drive the culture. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, you know, in some respects, I think of it as it's like learning to ride a bike. We all do it differently. We all have to attain that balance, and it, and it's different. There's there's really no recipe for doing it. Some people use training wheels. Personally. I had to take the training wheels off. I was constantly wrecking with the training wheels. <laughs> I, I tipped that thing over. As soon as they came off, you found your balance. I could I could find my balance. Yeah. 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 And and everybody's going to be different. I I don't know that I could tell you that I've seen one company or another that has come up with a good here's the secret sauce or the recipe. Right. right. To go find your balance. They do it I think through from what I see is combinations of various executives and personalities. Uh, as, a, as a for instance, I was, I was on a team once, and there were four of us, and we took the, the DISC exam. Okay, yeah, the DISC model, sure. DISC model, sure. yeah. I am a very high D followed very closely with a C. Oh, well, interesting. Well, yeah. why don't you know, as we went around the four of us, we had a person that was a very high C, followed very closely by an S, and so on, all the way around the circle. And I would tell you that I have never been on a higher performing team than that one was. That's correct. That's yeah. correct. I would use, you know, I, when I use a disc, um, I also used, I can't remember what it's called, but I used their uh, team um, uh, instrument as well mm-hmm. with various clients. But, 
but what I've been able to do lately is I take the LPI and uh, leadership practice inventory, mm-hmm. and 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 people will go through it as an individual, right? They'll answer the questions from an individual perspective, right? And then when we're in in a workshop or in a group of some sort, I say let's revisit those questions, but everywhere it says I, put we. Okay. And you come up with a leadership uh, examination. Um, now it's not empiric, you know, it's not scientific. It's not based in, in the similar research that the LPI is on individuals. Mm-hmm. But I think it's good enough to get a good example of this is how we behave. Are we a team of leaders um, individually? Then I throw the DISC model in mm-hmm. to do exactly what you said happened for you. Is that once there was a team pulled together that had the various abilities that the DISC can highlight. Um, that that team will be a very high um, achieving team. Yeah, yeah and Bel- Belbin is great too. Belbin really allows okay. people to get even deeper into that. Okay. Yeah, I've seen I've seen actually a company that has taken it the disc model one step further, and what they did for their name badges, they all wore lanyards. They were colorful. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so anytime they had to make a major decision, they always made sure they had a balance of the color coded lanyards sitting around the table. <laughs> and that was well, their yeah. method for achieving some some semblance of balance of yeah. viewpoints, opinions, and strengths and weaknesses. Right. Yeah. I used to tell people, put uh, put your letter, you know, where you're high at, whether it's a D, I, S, or C, put mm-hmm. it on the outside of your cubicle so that people know who they're dealing with. <sighs> and and when you're when somebody, especially because I'm also high D, Nick, and so mm-hmm. uh, and my um, and I'm also a very high I, so that's usually um, uh, somebody who who loves you but will roll over you with the steamroller, and then wonder why you're not following them when uh, when the when you when you're flattened <laughs> in the back. Um, but what I would tell people, I say, you know, what you can do is when somebody who is a high D or you know high S or whatever, when that behavior is becoming a problem. Instead of poking your finger in their chest and you know uh, using harsh words, just say, you know, Robert, your your D is showing, and ah. boom, people sort of get ah, I've overstepped. You know, let me let me check mm-hmm. here, let me check my dominant uh, position and see if I'm steamrolling people, or if I'm an S or a C or whatever, and I'm I'm either being you know too laid back, too waiting for the detail, this kind of thing, and not stepping up to the situation. So uh, it's all good. So but that's that's I think what agile balance is about. I think your matrix yeah. illustration is is great, and it actually brings it up into the generations who may have forgotten all about uh, Jack be nimble and all that, and they understand uh, uh, the matrix. Uh, so that might be a better fit for the new generations out there. And the other thing too is I think agile balance is is mm-hmm. um, is a love of learning. Yes. And I think, you know, you mentioned in one of your questions, um, you know, is it something that an individual or organization possesses? And I would say, mm-hmm. well, both can exhibit it. You have learning organizations, but they're made up of people. And individuals uh, are learning. And that's what I, I think allows for the balance and the agility to maintain is because you're constantly learning. And uh, I, I don't know in one of your other questions it was um, – about, you know, is there a certain percentage of people in an organization that have to, you know, sort of go through this and be there? And, yeah. and I guess that there would be. I wouldn't know what it was. But I think the stretching towards it, becoming aware of this is where we want to go with the organization, mm-hmm. 
and then the stretching of everyone to get there is is probably better than the there when they get there. <laughs> right. It, it's the journey that's the important part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and then of course, ten years. People might scoff at that and say, "Geez, Robert, you know, ten years—that's a long time to commit to anything, and maybe the company won't be around." Well. Uh, I would push back and say there's a lot of companies that are still around after 10 years, but it's the people inside of them. That's the ripple effect. And if we're teaching people this love of learning, this ability um, to move forward, mm-hmm. and we create an awesome company and we stick to it or try to stick to it for 10 years, let's say we get purchased by another company. Well, those people go off and blend into other companies that can take that message further on. So it's a ripple effect that matters as well. That's right. You know, that love of learning, too, when we talk about agility and nimbleness, mm-hmm. if you haven't within you that love of learning and that passion to always find more, learn better, professional right. curiosity, some people call it, then you can't be agile because opportunities are going to come, and they, they are only opportunities for what I'd like to call the prepared Correct. And, and, and those who have this love of learning, this professional curiosity, pursue a continuously learning organization environment, well, they're going to be the ones that are the best prepared so they can be agile to seize Correct. the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that um, a recent client is doing, in fact, we're having an event next week, um, they have been putting uh, – they don't have any budget. It's a state agency here in California. They have mm-hmm. zero budget. Okay. But they had bought uh, the Offside uh, Leadership Challenge Fable book for people a couple of years ago, and then it, and then they lost their budget and they couldn't really roll out workshops. But what they've done is they've created a book club <clears throat> within the. Uh, they started just within the HR organization, which is a fairly large organization of I don't know 500. Six, seven hundred people, and they just give, gave them the book. There was no, um, and I suggested this too. I said, "Man, don't make it into something formal. Don't force people to read this and come to meetings and so on." But what they did is they just shared the book and they said, "We'd like to have you read the book. You know, let's say a few chapters at a time, mm-hmm. and then we're going to get together in small groups." And they kept it in their own departments and even broke it down further. And at first. There was quite a few people who said, oh, man, do we have to read a book? But once they started, um, it's been unbelievable, I have to tell you. I mean, talk about being continuing to show agility during in a, in a state agency in California is very difficult these days with zero budget and the politics yeah. that we have here. It's just incredible. Mm-hmm. And so these people are hungry for information for ways to to deepen their lives and so on. And, you know, just like you found the matrix in the term Agile Balance, they're finding all kinds of, of themes for their life in the off-site. And, and so they've kept this going and they drove it down into the, to where, you know, the, the people that never get a chance to go to a workshop that has anything, you know, name leadership on it or whatever, they got to be a part of it. And and I'd love to, at some other time, I'd love to share some of the comments that they are making uh, about what it's meant to them. That, for me, is how this Agile Balance stuff really connects because it's it's being flexible with, you know, no budget, 
Um, they're they're hanging in there with with the the two years of just absolute difficulty, mm-hmm. and um, you know they're showing grace to each other. They're they're more relaxed, and those are the words. I mean, if people have read uh, Agile Balance on your website, they know those are some of the words that sort of popped up for me when I started writing. Right, um, flexibility, speed, endurance, and grace, and uh, you know, and then the number one word that showed up for me was strength, and I can't tell you um, how strong these people have been, and I'll have more to, to share on that next week. All 500 or so of these folks are going to show up in a room, and I'm going to walk in that room, and I'm just going to um, just fall in love with 500 people. So uh, it, it's going to be awesome, and they're. Um, the, the transformations they're making, the ripple effect, as I mentioned earlier, is just um, it's moving through the organization, and they really, really needed it, and they found it, and they've taken it, and they've run with it. So I'm very pleased with all of that. And, and again, that's where yeah. you know Agile Balance pops out after the offsite. So when we get to the next book and this Agile Balance begins to take shape a little bit more, that's uh, what will be in there. I'm looking forward to your next book. Me too. <laughs> Just my publisher. <laughs> I was going to ask you if there was a um, a forecasted date that the new book was going to no, come out. You know, I, it's going to depend on a couple of things. Uh, me, for one, um, I want to make sure that um, that we're that the economy is moving and grooving. Uh, it does make a difference uh, when new books come out. When when we went into recession. Is uh, right according to the to the uh, folks that actually chart these things. The offsite came out right as the recession was starting, so great timing. But it's done well; it's doing fine, and people are enjoying it and loving it and getting uh, getting something from it. And again, stretching. So, and you were part of that, so I appreciate that, Nathan. You were able to help us get the word out. Um, but the second book is going to take a slightly different twist where the first book was about two pharmaceutical companies uh, coming together to create a joint venture and mm-hmm. going through all that. Um, book two is going to be about the newspaper industry's um, catastrophe wow. that's happened over the last few years and the Internet coming in. You know, the newspaper industry is my baby. It's where I grew up in and cut my teeth on. And I watched, uh, you know, all of this uh, happen with the Internet, and I watched the newspaper industry not respond to the internet in a very quick way at all. I mean, it, it was like, yeah. man. And so they weren't showing great leadership. Um, so that that will be the sort of the backdrop. It won't be. We're not going to write. A, I'm not writing a book about you know the fall of newspapers and so on. But it'll be a backdrop in book two, still focused on leadership. But it's going to bring up more of the things that I mentioned in the Agile Balance article. Um, whether the, those terms actually exist in the book, I don't know yet. It's gonna the book. I found books are organic; they take their own shape. The characters start talking about it, and you, as the author, you're just the uh, you're, you're the recorder of your characters' comments. And so we'll see where it goes. But I want to help people um, with more practical ideas too. So the second book will have uh, something in the back of the book, more of a workbook kind of a thing with practical ideas of what to do. Um, to actually uh, take steps towards this uh, so-called agile balance as well. So it'd be very cool. Of course, I'm going to keep the lookout for when your book comes out. Oh, the other thing I wanted to share with you too was yes. Robert's rules is going to play a bigger role in uh, book two. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, and that's in the article, too. And, again, I want to thank you for breaking it up into two sections because it is a long article, and I don't know how many people actually got uh, all the way to the end when they read it on my blog. I'm thinking, how far can you scroll? Um, but I think Robert's Rules, it's based on um, the five practices of exemplary uh, behavior that uh, Kousis and Posner have been researching for now 20-plus years. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to find a way to share that model sort of from my perspective. And people like myself who have been in this business for quite a while, and we worked together at the Tom Peters Company and and, um, delivered the Leadership Challenge Workshop for years and years all across the country and the world. Um, No matter what we do now, uh, somewhere, somehow, the five practices, the Leadership Challenge material pops up, weaves its way into into our life. And so I don't pretend to think that Robert's Rules is something that is um, brand new thinking. Uh, I think that okay. would be uh, inappropriate. So, but you, you can find in, in Robert's Rules the, the five practices. So, I wanted to find something more street level, something people could remember mm-hmm. easily. Not that five is too much, but I thought four was better. <laughs> <laughs> and so, with Robert's Rules fo- folded into um, the Agile Balance process, the recipe, if you will. The first one is to show up, and I think it's all about credibility. Yeah. Um, people just, individuals need to be present at all times, and, and uh, uh, they got to keep thinking about this agile balance thing. they got to keep thinking about leadership. The second is to speak up because everyone's voice matters. And I think, Nathan, I, one of the things that, that I find more often than not is that people in organizations, especially large ones, tend to find, feel, not find, but feel that, oh, they don't need to hear from me. Mm-hmm. I, yes. I don't need to speak up. You know, they're, they're going to do whatever. And I really want people to find that authentic person inside of themselves and really uh, allow it to come out, of course, civilly, of course. Uh, but sure. I think if we, if we learn to speak from our heart and if we learn to use what I call the vision story, uh, both individually and organizationally, I think uh, we can find that agile balance, that positive future. The third rule is to step up. And I think it's necessary because everyone's action matters. And I liken that to somebody being an action hero, you know, for your own life, for the organization. I mean, what would, wouldn't it be kind of funny, speaking of the matrix, wouldn't it be kind of funny if you went to work and everybody was in, like, action hero costumes? Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, the big S on their chest for, you know, secretary and uh, whatever it might be. But it's like, find that action hero that's inside of you and really do things um, that you're passionate about, that you've been dreaming about. Erase those limiting thoughts because I know I've got them and I know other people have them. Uh, we, we have the, that little back voice that tells us, ah, you can't do that. And we really need to erase that uh, from our life. We need to begin to question everything, um, especially yeah. those you know routine things that we do all the time. Mm-hmm. And finally, the fourth rule is to serve up. And I don't know if any one of them are better than the other as far as rules, but I think serving up and knowing that your gift, the very precise gift that you have, matters, uh, not only just in your organization, but in in life in general, in your home, um, in your everyday world. We need to constantly think of being of service to others. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's where that servant leadership thing comes in from back in the old 70s with Robert Greenleaf. Yeah. 
So I just want to make sure that I share that. That, that is part of the ingredient, uh, I think, of Agile Balance, and I think that that will definitely be in uh, book two uh, right now. In fact, I can hear uh, either Sam sharing it or, or Charlie. Maybe, maybe I'll have Abby do it. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm still wondering how Abby and Charlie end up. Well, a lot of people are. In fact, our yeah. meeting next week, here's the other thing. You bring oh. that up and it just reminded me. Our meeting next week with the, the 500 folks, mm-hmm. um, they've had a competition at the workplace to, and the, the, the theme has been, what should Abby do? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Now, you know, a lot of people look at the Abby and Charlie stuff and they look at it and say, oh, you know, it's a romance. You know, I had a couple of reviews that somebody said, why is there a romance in a leadership book? Well, because it was necessary. But the point was is that it's an ethical dilemma. Yes, it is. You know, and so it's not yeah. just about the romance. It's an ethical dilemma. It's a leadership dilemma. And we need to find out what they do and how they do it. So whether, you know, and I don't want to give away anything if anybody hasn't read the book, but, you know, whatever the – the um, the outcome after the offsite when people finish the offsite, it's like you know it's an ethical dilemma. What what they do and how they do it matters, and, and I think that's what people are are having fun with. Now, of course, there's always the folks that you know just want to know. Oh, Abby should hook up with Charlie, or you know she should go back to Dennis, and she should you know be honest with herself. Blah blah blah. There's right. everybody has an opinion, so uh, I think it's kind of fun because that's. That's sort of why it's there, is to leave people hanging. So, mm-hmm. but um, uh, you know, I, I think it's and, and and it also draws on that commitment thing that, that you and I have been talking about, and, and that is if people don't make the commitment to mm-hmm. agile balance, to whatever they want to call it, they don't have to call it that, but make the commitment to strong leadership in their workplace and for themselves individually, um, nothing happens, nothing right. changes, not them. Not the organization, not you, not me, nothing. Mm-hmm. It just stays the same. So we've got to continue to try to close the gap between our beliefs and behaviors, that's for sure. Absolutely. And when we make an excuse to make an exception here or there, it just chips away at that too. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like a drop of water on a rock, you know. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon, you know, months, years later, we find ourselves with a smaller rock that's all chipped up. That's right. So you just can't make exceptions and excuses in That's real right. leadership. You've got to adhere to those principles 24-7. That's right. And, and the, yeah. the thing to do, people say, well, how can I, you know, how do I, how do I make this commitment? How do I stay with this? What, mm-hmm. you know, so I, t- I take the leadership practices inventory and I, I know the behaviors I'm supposed to do and that they want from me. And, you know, I've done the DISC model and I get it. How do I connect with folks, you know, especially if I've got people who report to me and I've got to be their quote-unquote leader? Well, the first thing I tell folks is, look, with Agile Balance, we're not, or any, we're not looking for leadership to be a role. It's not a title. It never has been. Right. Um, it's just not that. That's decision-making power. It's authority. But it's not leadership. And what people need to do is connect. And we need to treat people with respect. I mean, key, uh, what, no matter what generation they come from, and these days that generation question is constantly asked, no matter what generation people come from, respect is key, period, in mm-hmm. this statement. If you can do that, you don't need any other book. All right? Focus right. on respect. People say, well, I, I need something to connect with. 
you know, what do I ask them? What do I do? And, 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 and they're reluctant to have conversations with people who report to them because, gosh, if, if they see that I'm vulnerable, then, you know, I won't be seen as, as strong. And I say, no, if they see you as vulnerable, they will see you more as a leader. Yes. Uh, because that's what leaders are. Leaders are vulnerable. They ask questions. They're constantly asking questions and learning. So what happened organically again uh, from all of this over the last couple of years is something that was lowercase in the offsite, which will be capitalized in huge capitals in the next yeah. bit, and that's the four commitment questions. So I okay. thought to myself one day, what? Because I was in a group, and somebody says, "Well, tell me what I need to do." You know, and it was almost like they were grabbing me by the shirt collar. And I said, "Here's what you do: you sit down with folks, or you're walking down the hall. However, it doesn't have to be formal, and you say, what can I do more of for you?'" Okay. What can I do less of for you? Mm-hmm. What can I start doing for you? What can I stop doing for you? And then I stopped, and they go, that's it? And I said, yep. I said, go give it a try. Bring your team together and tell them you want to get better as a leader. Tell yeah. them you're, you know, you're taking these instruments, or if you are, it doesn't matter. Tell them you want to get better as a leader. And you want to know what you can do more of, less of, start and stop for them. And I said, it'll be the most powerful meeting that you will be in, maybe in your career. And I said, once you start getting that information from them, because they'll, they'll be reluctant at first, yes. then mm-hmm. they, they get to ask you. So it's a constant, it's not every day, it's not obsessive, you know, and that's not what I'm suggesting, but it's almost like a constant performance review without the formality, without the paperwork. Yeah. So the, sub, the subordinates, I hate that word, but the people who are reporting to the to that manager, mm-hmm. they can ask, what can I do more for you, less for you, start for you, and stop for you? Right. And when you're recruiting people to come into the, to the office as mm-hmm. a new employee, you can ask them why they left their, their last employer. And you can ask it this way. What did they have to do more of less of start or stop to have kept you there? And you will get some insights into that person's behavior big time. And then, of course, the most powerful thing to do is I tell people, I said, go try this on. Sit yeah. down with your spouse or your kids uh, and ask those four questions. Yeah. And and I have to tell you, um, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think I've got a lot of people come back and do that because it's scary. But these are four very simple, practical questions that if we were to ask each other these on a more regular basis, not mm-hmm. again, not be obsessive about it, I think organizations would find what you and I have been talking about here, that agile balance. They're powerful questions, but it gives you the whole gambit of what we're talking about with agile balance. It keeps you correct. aligned to the ultimate vision. That's it, correct. Yeah, it helps you be flexible in dodging roadblocks, maybe some that you've created for yourself. Oh, and haven't we all done those? We've created roadblocks we didn't oh, yeah. even know we were building out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and we don't see them. Not until they come up and smack us unless we're asking somebody else whose vantage point allows them to see them. That's right. And then they can help us. And sometimes those people work for us. Sometimes we work for them. That's uh, correct. I did some consulting recently with a large uh, restaurant chain that, that everyone would know, and I'm, I won't share, but um, the people that I was working with were their um, area director types, 
managing a lot of uh, restaurants. And when I would share these four questions, mm-hmm. most of them told me later, they said they thought I was crazy, that how can those four questions have any impact? And I've res- I just finished, um, I did some coaching with them last uh, late winter, early spring, and so I did a six-month uh, update with them. And I've been working with them now for about a year and a half. And so in this update, I said, so how's the, how's the four questions going? And to the person, they have been blown away. Oh, yeah. they just blown away. They said, my God, I asked those four questions. It was, it was, I was nervous, you know. I didn't know yeah, what the response was going to be. But productivity has soared. Uh, service has soared. Everything has gotten better, and people are taking ownership in a far more uh, deeper level than they ever have. Mm-hmm. So, oh, it, it, it's amazing. It's key, right? It is. And you know, when I was in the service, I saw a case of this. Those, you know, when we showed up and we were brand new ensigns on the boat, mm-hmm. those of us who appreciated that the chief petty officers and petty officers that part of their job was to train us. To do our job, they might work for us, but their job is to train us right. because we didn't know what we were doing. We're brand new. We had no way we could know what we we're doing. But if we were open to having someone who worked for us tell us what we needed to do more, what we needed to do less of, and things we needed to do differently and stop doing, right. those were the ones that were ultimately far more successful. Then the guys that came in with a chip on their shoulder and hierarchical, I know what to do, and I'll give orders and direction and so on and so forth. Yeah. And no, it's just, yeah. and that, again, it's another way to say servant leadership. Right. So that's why I say there's, if there's anything new out there, then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm willing to salute it. But most of the stuff, uh, material out there, around leadership management and so on is uh, time-tested from uh, umpteen, umpteen years ago. Uh, Jim and Barry have been doing research for now 20-plus, but material that they've been able to compile is is pulled from regular folks like you and I and the people that we work with. Um, you know, it's not some person that sits on a cloud somewhere and comes up with stuff. Uh, and right. they sort of pulled it all together for the leadership challenge and, and your uh, leadership practice inventory. Um, but this material, the stuff that you and I talk about, the stuff that we try to get people to become conscious to, has been around for thousands of years. So it's um, it's just that we've re- repackaged it. You know, we're marketers for this material. We we reframe yeah. it. We put new words on it. Um, but I think always simplicity is key. Uh, don't get too complicated with what you have to do. But make a commitment, for gosh sakes, make a commitment to something for the long term. If you're the CEO, you can drive this, and you can make the commitment and say, this is what we're going to do. And I realize today somebody could say, well, CEOs don't last very long either. Well, that's true, uh-huh. and that's perhaps why we have sort of the business uh, quagmire that we find ourselves in, that uh, we're not making a commitment to leadership. We're making a commitment to the quarterly profit. So That's right. Uh, yeah, it's that it's that commitment to good principle that'll ultimately help us be more successful. I think if we look out there, Nathan, to the companies that are hanging in there during this recession and, and doing mm-hmm. well and then going to do better, I think we'll find that. I'm I'm absolutely certain that you're correct. Yeah, I'm confident of it, 
In fact, I just saw today they had the, um, you know, the monthly reports for our three automakers. And there was noticeably one automaker that was ahead of everybody else. And that was Ford. Yep. And, you know, when you think about how they've done things differently and, and held to some core principles and, and how they've operated their business the last two years through this recession, uh, it, it does kind of bring a focus back on time and again, they seem to outperform everybody else, including their foreign competitors. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So. Well, I agree. But, um, well, I think, you know, we've, we've sort of, um, not sort of, we've chatted about that. I, and I want to thank you for allowing me, you know, even though I was the first one on your strategy driven podcast, uh, thank you for allowing me to come back on and talk about this sort of in the works kind of stuff. Cause I know that, um, normally you're promoting a book or something like this for an author in which we appreciate big time. Um, but this is a sort of, um, musings from my brain, if you will, that are going on out there. And I think it does take um, folks like you to uh, uh, really get the word out and let and let others hear about this and and then provide some feedback and say, yeah, you know, this, this resonates because I think people are looking to find that place where, like you're, in your analogy, the matrix, mm-hmm. where somebody can stand somewhere and yeah they can move and groove and miss the bullets but they're still standing their ground and i think um i think that's what agile balance should be looked at as for everyone else robert thank you for coming back on the show uh, and i, I really have appreciate- no idea i'm so pleased yeah yeah because i'm thrilled not only just to have you back I, I appreciate the articles that you've shared with us i'm i'm looking forward to having you back again when your next book comes out well and i'll be you'll be one of the first to know excellent in fact, uh, I'll be even looking for a pre-read copy. There you go. So that uh, I really get ahead of the time. Ahead there of the you game. go. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and don't forget to uh, draft me up a, a little um, uh, of your analogy on uh, Agile Balance and shoot it over to me. I love the Matrix uh, analogy. It's very cool. Great. Well, I'll do that. All right, sir. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, taking the time. I appreciated it being on Strategy Driven once again. Thanks, Nathan. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Strategy Driven Leadership Conversation. I would like to personally thank Robert Thompson for being with us today and sharing his insights on how to exhibit the flexibility needed to accommodate the changing business environment while maintaining the balance needed for success. As always, we would appreciate receiving your feedback by email at podcast at strategydriven.com. If you enjoyed the show, please consider voting for us on Podcast Alley and visiting our website at www.strategydriven.com. You can find more information about Robert Thompson and his book, The Offsite, at www.leaderinsideout.com. Until next time, so long.